Thank you for listening to Faith Worship Center's weekly sermon. If you'd like more information about our church and ministry, please visit faithworship.org. I want to talk about fear. Fear is like this insidious cancer that I just hate it um, because it comes from the enemy, but it's so subtle. Like it just, it just gets, it just, it's subtle in where it starts. It's, and then it just, just like any, any lie from the enemy, right? It won't stop until you're dead, right? I, I don't know how many times I've talked to, to people and they're like, oh, you know, I'm having, I'm so you know, like depressed or whatever. And they think, well, now maybe the enemy will leave me alone. No, 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 no. He doesn't get happy when you get a little sad. He's not happy till you're dead. That's where he, that's the only place he wants to go with you. So, so that's where fear wants to take you. So, it, and it shows up, like I said, it's very subtle. And it, 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 like in vocabulary, like people will say, well, I was afraid that was going to happen. What, what were you afraid of? Well, that. What, why were you afraid of that? Uh, just, you know, you never know. That's another fear one, right? You never know what could happen. You never know. It's very subtle, but it, it works in there. It's like, what do you mean you don't know? Why, why don't I know? Well, you never know. Bad stuff happens all the time. Whoa, whoa, why, why are we talking bad stuff again? Well, I mean, that's just the life. That's the world we live in, right, Bob? No, not the world I live in. I live in this weird world where it's full of hope and love and joy and peace. And when bad stuff happens, it's an aberration. It's like, whoa, that's not supposed to happen. That's what we go after. But fear is, like I said, it's just like a weasel. And it just wiggles in there like a nasty little worm, and it starts to get into the things you say. You are like, well, I'm afraid so. I'm afraid so. Again, why, why, why is fear? Fear is just a part of what, what, we're, what, what, you know, what our lives are. But it's all source of the enemy, and the goal is always death, and not always just your physical. Like the Fear wants to bring a death to your relationships. Why? Because... Because heaven is about relationships. we got a trinity that's built on relationships. God describes himself in relationship with himself because heaven is about relationships. A father, a son, and a Holy Spirit. He wants everybody to be in community. He wants people to be connected. And so what does fear want to do? Fear wants to destroy any kind of relationship. And people have walked away from relationship for fear of what might happen. Because they live in that fear. Well, it's been going so well, I probably should end it. <laughs> I, I mean, I've talked to people like this. I do relational strategies all the time. I love it. I do. I love bringing people together. But man, they see stuff or, or they avoid a relationship completely out of fear that it won't, it's not going to end well. They won't. So you're not even going to start it? Well, no, because, you know, stuff happens. Bad stuff always happens. Whoa, see, it's just so, it just gets so incorporated. It gets so incorporated. It's the same thing. It wants to bring death to your goals and your dreams. Right? You don't, I, I'm, man, Tyler, if you did you got to catch Tyler. Yeah. I, I, Serena's insane. Serena already has the podcast up. I don't even know. I don't even know. But last night she goes, oh, I got the podcast up. I was like, what are you doing? You just had a baby a week ago. But she got it up, you know, because she wanted to make sure everybody had access to it. So it's, it's on our web. But honestly, listen to it. 
I mean, I know the first like half hour he gives like these crazy testimonies, right? And then I don't know, something kicked in, at least from my perspective, and he just blew up when he started talking about protecting the message that God has given you, protecting the dreams that God has put in you. And so if you haven't, get it. And if you don't, if if you don't have plans for that first weekend in October, then make plans to be here for that conference. Because, man, does he carry a message. Holy smoke lokies It is good stuff. Good stuff. You come to the rock concert on the last Saturday of October and come to Tyler on the first weekend, or last Saturday of September and come to Tyler on the first weekend in October. All right. So anyways, he was talking about dreams, right? And, and, and so, you know, again, fear just gets in there and they're like, fear doesn't even want you to share your dreams with somebody because of what somebody might think. Right? It just insidiously comes in and it says, well, you, it, it just causes this little, little bit of anxiety about what somebody might think. Well, if I tell somebody that I really want to do that, like they're going to think I'm crazy. They're going to think I'm being prideful. If that's my goal, like what's going to happen? I got to be careful. I can't, I can't say. I can't say. You know, I can't start on that dream now. I got I to gotta hold back. I just need to do what I need to do. You know, I just get through. And then eventually you run out of time. And eventually you run. And then eventually the dream just dies and fear wins. You got to kick fear in the face. That's not my line. It's all over the place. I think my wife has a t-shirt with that phrase on it. I think it's awesome. Fear also destroys your identity. It'll steal your purpose. And ultimately, like I said, it'll take your life. Now, I'm going to do something today that I don't like doing, but, but I, I mean, I, I, I just, I'll, well, I'll just tell you what I'm going to do. Okay, so I'm going to, I'm going to pick some stuff, some, just some instances out of the exodus of the Hebrews, okay? So mostly an exodus and a few things from Numbers, but I, I don't like doing it because I love story. And I, I, I just don't like not giving you all the details. But it takes me about 12 hours to do the, to do the exodus. It really does because I've done it before. And, and I, don't, I didn't think that was fair to you to take the rest of the day unless I was also bringing you loaves and fishes. So I'm just going to cherry pick some things from the book of Exodus and a little bit from Numbers. Just to show a thread of fear and how it impacts things. Okay, that's, that, I'm just letting you know. So in the culture, in a culture of fear, it, it, like I said, it permeates. It, we, it's just like a weasel. It's like a weasel. <laughs> All right, so here you go. In, the, in, in okay, well, okay, I, 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 I got to give you a little bit of details. So, <laughs> so they're all in Egypt. There, Whew, I covered a lot there. All the, the Hebrews, the Hebrews are, in, are in Egypt, and and they they have a great life going. They really do. Okay, they're they're in the 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 the, the delta of the Nile. They got that out of honor. The Pharaoh at the time honored Joseph and his family because of Joseph's wisdom and the fact that literally he turned Egypt into a world power. Because for three and a half years, 
while they were selling, well, they collected, I know, for the seven years, and then they had all the grain stored, and then the famine came. See, Bob, you can't do it, can you? You really can't. You drive me crazy sometimes. Okay, so anyway, so then the, the time of the famine came, and then three and a half years in, basically the world that had come for food was now out of money, right? None of the nations and tribes and, and clans had any money left, but they needed food. So Joseph, in his wisdom started to take property and or surety from people in exchange. So when the drought was over and you started to plant your fields, you would have to start paying Egypt 10% or more or less, depending on who you were, of those crops. So basically, he perpetuated Egypt to continually get rich for years and years and years to come. It was brilliant. And the Pharaoh knew that. Because he made literally the world in debt to Egypt, which gives a, a government a lot of power. So in honor of that, they gave Joseph and his tribe the best land. I don't know who else lived there. I don't know who lived there before. I don't know how happy they were about being moved. But Joseph and his family got it. And they multiplied. Ding, 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 ding. A lot of them. And then it says there arose a pharaoh that didn't know Joseph. It's not like they didn't know Joseph. Everybody knew Joseph. What it meant is there arose a pharaoh who didn't honor Joseph because probably it was a completely different pharaoh family, a family, a different fam, different. Somebody else is in charge. And so, so they're looking at probably two and a half to three million people who live in a gorgeous part of the world and who have their own system of government and their own God. And if you're a new pharaoh and you want control, the best way to make, well, in your mind anyways, to get control is to cause fear. And so the Pharaoh, out of, out of fear, when he looks and he says, whoa, there's three million people down there. And if they ever sided with my enemy, they would make a formidable army and they're already in the country. So I've got to take control. So he started, he started it. He started a culture of fear. And, 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 and it, it's brilliant in that he probably took a hugely agrarian society because they had the best land and the best places to fish. So they, he took a culture that was just born and bred for, for generations on raising cattle and, and, and crops and fishing and boats. He took them all and he made them bricklayers and builders. He took them out of their culture. He moved them and put and employed forcibly employed them across the country. He took them out of their community. He took them, you know, he destroyed the family, destroyed connection. He destroyed their their heritage, and he put them in charge and uh, put them in charge of building things. And he put Egyptians over the top of them so that a different government was now in charge. And he threatened them with beatings and with and with more labor and with death. And in that culture, now generations began to be born. And anytime you want to, 
you, you think you're losing control, you gain more. You, you go for more, right? So the Pharaoh's looking around. And he's like, oh my gosh, there's more of them now than there was when I started killing them. Like they're popping out like rabbits. So he tries to start killing, literally killing them at that point. Just throw them in the river. And into that culture, Moses comes out. Moses, Bob, you don't got time. I know. I know. Stop talking to me because you're slowing me down. <laughs> Moses comes into this culture and he's, he's now trained in a culture of fear, a government of fear. Do you understand that? He wasn't, he wasn't like trained to love Jesus. We don't know Jesus at this point. Okay, We don't have the Torah. We, you know, the, the Hebrews are following, the, in essence, the teachings of Abraham and of Joseph. They're following that God. I have no doubt, because in a culture of fear, a government of fear, Information is key, right? You've got to, you've got to get up on your political uh, opponents. You've got to be able to twist things. You've got to be able to create rumor and gossip. You've got to lie and cheat and steal and deceive. This is the culture that Moses grew up in. This is how he got ahead. Moses is a noted uh, leader in the Egyptian culture. He's a general in which his, his tactics are studied. Egyptians, as we know, like they're not Neanderthals. These guys are brilliant intelligent they invented stuff that we still use it's it's crazy I don't have time for this i know i'm just making a point so moses grows up in this in their universities and he's and he's trained in their army and he's clearly moving toward the top of the crop and i have little doubt that the rumors were always out there he's not one of us and this is why I think that this has happened. Because, okay, so he steps up. Oh, Bob, you're skipping a lot. I know. So he steps up. He decides, okay, now's the time to lead the people, right? And he kills an Egyptian in the process. And he buries him in the sand because there's a lot of that. <laughs> and the rumor, right? It, it, it gets reported back. It gets reported back. Moses killed one of, one of our people. Now listen. A pharaoh can kill anybody he wants. Not, nobody. Trust me when I tell you an Egyptian killing an Egyptian with, with the kind of power that Moses had would not have been questioned in that culture. It just wouldn't have. The fact that they went after Moses and wanted to kill him for just wiping out one Egyptian guard? No, I'm sorry. That doesn't happen to an Egyptian if he kills an Egyptian. It happened because everybody knew Moses is not one of us. He's one of them. And if he ever turns and ends up on their side... We're all, we all know we're history. We don't, like, we're killing them. They're making them faster than we can kill them. We, we're like, at this point, we're probably pushing three million Hebrews running around Egypt. They're, we, Pharaoh's got, he's out of control. That is not something that somebody who wants control is happy with. Pharaoh's never happy. So he has an opportunity to get rid of Mo. Boom, kicked him out. Okay. Moses comes back to Egypt. 
Whoo, man, did I just skip a lot. <laughs> so Moses is coming back. We'll, we'll start with the burning bush. So I'm going to start. This is where I'm going to start picking stuff out. But I wanted to give you that because I, want you to, I wanted you to just understand the culture of fear is something that, that a lot of people just grow up in. Like you don't even know. It's not, like, it's not like the Hebrews grew up and were like, oh, this is such a culture of fear. No, it's just life. It was their life. It was Moses' life. He knew he had a call on his life. He knew that he was supposed to rescue his people, but he'd given up on the dream. Why? Because that's what fear does. It steals your dream. It tells you it can't happen. So God shows up at a burning bush. Legend has it that the bush burned for like days before Moses finally went to go see it. Because burning bushes were not that uncommon. Dried bushes would burst into flame periodically. It was, it was just no big deal. Or dry lightning would, would catch bushes on fire. It was no big deal. He'd been out there. He'd seen it before. This particular little smokestack just kept going. All day, all night, all day. Listen, when God wants to talk to you, a lot of times he uses familiar things to get your attention. So many times, I do, I, I, a lot of people do this. But I'm, one of the things I love doing is dream interpretations. And I don't have time. You don't have time. I know. I know. But I do like doing them. It's a point. It's a point. You're still interrupting. I like doing dream interpretations. So one of the things that God likes to do is he likes to use familiar faces, familiar locations in order to what? Not freak you out when you're dreaming. It doesn't mean it's about that person. It just, it just, it's just so that you're comfortable in the dream. And so he uses a burning bush, a very common thing in, in Moses' life now after 40 years in the wilderness. He sees it. Next day, it's still there. Next day, it's still there. Okay, after three days or more, it's like, all right, I probably, I should, this, this is kind of, I'm curious. I got to go figure this out. So he goes, right? And the Lord speaks, which, of course, would freak anybody out. I get that. But, but maybe not, you know, too bad. Because it clearly was already beyond, like he knew this wasn't normal. It had been days of burning. And, and especially in that culture, there was a grid for spiritual activity that you can't explain. Right? It wasn't until the, the, the modern era, the scientific era, that we started to do away with the mystery of life. I, I know that science is also now in the postmodern era bringing the mystery back, which is good. But I'm just throwing it out there just for whatever, because I'm just talking. But I think he had some grid for supernatural stuff to happen. And there it was. So God's like, hey, take your shoes off just so that we kind of separate this opportunity, right? You're not just talking to a bush. You're actually talking to God. And he's like, oh, good. And then what does Moses do? First point I want to make. Moses hides his face because he was afraid. Now, hiding your face is not unusual. When you get scared, right, usually you duck. Because what? You're going to cover your face. Bright light, it's like, ah! Darkness? Don't hit me in the face wherever you are. Like, I don't know what's out there. Somebody scares you, hide your face. So he's afraid. First, first reaction to God is fear. What does God say? Don't be afraid. <laughs> uh, that's in chapter 3 of Exodus. Okay, just then uh, chapter 4, Moses says, um, what if they don't believe me? 
He's afraid to carry the message. Uh, chapter 5. The Hebrews are like, uh, this isn't going to work. You're going to make Pharaoh mad at us. He's going to kill us. Why? They're living in fear. Moses, chapter 5. Uh, uh, God, you're not doing what you said you'd do. I thought I'd be a hero. And now life is rough, and my life is, I was better off in the desert. Hebrews chapter, uh, and, and chapter 6 of Exodus, Hebrews won't listen to me. They're afraid. There's more labor and punishment from Pharaoh. So Moses doesn't, doesn't want to talk anymore. He's like, I don't want to talk to Pharaoh. I don't want to talk to the Hebrews because nobody's listening. Nobody likes me. I'm being rejected. That's all conversations from a, from a root of fear. Exodus chapter 14, this is, this is great. Okay, so they're trapped at the Red Sea, according to them. They're trapped at the Red Sea. That, this is such a great phrase, right? Was there not enough graves in Egypt that you took us out here to kill us all? <laughs> That's such a great line. <laughs> but where does it come from? Again, that, that root of, of fear. You could, I don't have time. I know, but okay. But you could go through the list of things that God had done to get them there. Just at some level, you want to say, I would never. Well, I would never be that way. I, I mean, I would look back at my life and say, there's a miracle right there. There's another miracle right there. I'm trusting God to split that ocean wide open. No, you wouldn't. No, no, don't, don't even start with me. We all do this. We literally see miracles at this church every week. And yet many will come and not even mention it. Because why? Well, you never know what could happen. I'm afraid. I'm afraid, I, you know, God's not going to come through. I'm a, like, it's automatic. It's so ingrained in us. Well, I mean, not other churches, I should say. You guys are awesome. All right, uh, I'll continue. Oh, wait. But when he does split the, split, okay, he splits the ocean. This is one of my favorite verses, uh, just because a lot of people don't, don't catch it, and, uh, and it's just fun. So they, they all run across on dry land, which is awesome, and, and Pharaoh's chasing them. Right? And, and he gets down there, and this is what I love. It says the cloud of, of God, the, the, the God goes over the top of the chariots, and it says, God showed them his face. Literally, it, in the Hebrew, it has the essence of like somebody who leans out a window and yells. So this is God, right? He's like flying in the cloud over the top of the Egyptians. And he's like, <laughs> and, they, and this is what's that. I don't think he did that. Okay, maybe I do kind of think he did that. But I, he probably did because... I don't know what he did. Anyways, he did something where he leaned out, and it freaked them out. And they, the Egyptians said, wow, God is clearly fighting their battle. We should turn around and go back. Now, that sounds like something God would do, right? So they start turning around to go back, and it says their wheels started to wobble. And it, and it made the chariots difficult to, to, to navigate. But they're trying to get back. I just think that's funny. The greater point, I think, is 
Moses called down the, the water on top of them to kill them. I don't think God did because I don't think God kills people. And I know that that's a radical belief. And I know that it freaks people out to hear it. But deal with it. We can talk later. I just, I just, I can't, I can't believe that God kills people. I, I just, I used to. But that makes God way too schizophrenic or bipolar or something. Like there's just, I just, I just, it's not like Jesus, I guess. If God's not like Jesus, then what was Jesus doing? Oh, that's a whole nother sermon, Bob. Okay, so chapter 15, water is bitter. They go to Moses, do something, fix it. We can't, what, we, we don't have access to God, which was a lie. We're afraid to talk to him. You do it. I love this. God's like, <laughs> God tells him, uh, I, I can picture God, no, actually, well, I picture God like me sometimes, which is more funnier than he probably is, but <laughs> Moses is like, hey, God, the water is really nasty, and we need water, and God's like, so, he goes, well, the people want you to do something. God's like, oh, well, pick up the stick and throw it in. Like, all the prophetic people are like, oh, it's a picture of the cross. Well, that's fine. I just think God's like, okay, they need, some, they, need a, they need a visual assistance here. They're still getting to know me. So he picked up a stick and he threw it in and everybody could drink the water. That I, honestly, I don't think it mattered what, what he did. He just needed to do something. I just think that's a fun little story. Move on, Bob. I will. Okay. Uh, verse, uh, chapter 16 of Exodus, they basically said, if, if only God had killed us in Egypt, we're going to starve out here. They're out of food. Immediately, they go to death. Why? Because we're afraid. We're afraid God's not going to come through. Bad stuff always happens to us. Yeah, that was a good miracle in the last chapter, but those only happen once in a while. I'm afraid we don't deserve any more miracles. Chapter 17, they say, why are we out here to die? Now we're out of water <laughs> again. I love, I love the water stories, mostly because I remember when I, was a, when I was a child and I was in Sunday school and we had the coloring pages. And, uh, <laughs> and there was always the one with the people getting water from the rock. And there was like this rock and like this little, little spigot coming out and people with water jugs, like four or five of them. And that always seemed so nice. And then I like grew up and read the story. And I'm like, if there are several million people lined up at this water spigot, there'd be a million of them dead before they get the water. Like you can't, I, I, I played soccer in North Carolina when I was in high school. Like we had one of those, one of those uh, army udders that was filled with water, like a big canvas bag with like twelve spigots around the bottom. Like it did. There were tw whatever thirty of us uh, all at the same time trying to suck on the bottom of that thing. It's no, no. We're talking millions of people that need water plus livestock. Do you have any idea how how awesomely dramatic this must have been? The rock just. Shaking and the, it's shattering and just the water like, 
and a river just running down the desert and pooling in all these little dibbits. Man, it had to be massive, and people are like, what? And they're little kids. They're always jumping in the water. There's no way to stop them. I gave up when my kids were little. I just gave up. We'd show up. There was a puddle. My wife would be like, don't go in the puddle. And I'm thinking, no, I'm not telling them that because I just know I don't want them to disobey me. Just let them go. <laughs> we'll just change them all later. But anyways, anyways, so you know, the kids are running in. The cows are happy because cows are always happy. And anyways, so there's a lot of water. So that was another fear thing. They were afraid. And and then, uh, and then in, in, uh, in chapter 32, Moses, they, they want to kill Moses because he's been gone, for, or no, they figure Moses is dead because he's been gone for like 40 days on the mountain. They're like, well, we need a new God. We should make our own. That was a brilliant idea. And then move on, Bob. I will. Numbers 13. So they're going into the new land, right? And the 10 spies come back and they're like, ah, oh, the people are, the land's awesome, but the people are really big and we're really small. You don't. You don't have that attitude if you're not already afraid before you walk in. You just don't. You walk in and you look around like Joshua and Caleb. Whoa, this is all ours? Oh, man, I cannot wait to see how God does this. This is going to be awesome. My hope is in the Lord. The miracle is going to come. I don't, I don't know what he's going to do. Right? And so they go back and they're talking to them and they're, they're trying to change the course of the nation. And the nation's response is in chapter 14. We should kill Moses, Joseph, uh, Joshua, and Caleb and then everything will be okay. <laughs> That's what fear does, right? Control, control, keep the radical thoughts, keep the hope-filled thoughts, keep them down. Fear needs you to partner with it. It really does. It needs you like you need it. And if you ever try to get free, uh, cue, cue the video. If you ever try to get free, then it's coming after you. So this is uh, Aretha Franklin. She plays the part of fear. And this, is, uh, this guy works for Aretha at the diner, and he wants to go free and play in the band with the Blues Brothers. So I thought, nobody else is here. We should play Aretha Franklin. So crank it up, and let's have some fun. You better think about what you're saying. You better think about the consequences of your actions. Oh, shut up, woman. You better think. Turn it up a little more. I love Aretha. She's got a voice.
Discover new deodorant wipes. Oh, you could. That's a, that's a prophetic illustration of what fear does when you want to break free. It comes up and says, whoa, 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 think about it. Think about it. What are you trying to do to me? What are you trying to do? Yeah. You can't do that. When you, when, when, when you start breaking out of fear, it's... It, Man, it, it wants to hold you back. You start uprooting roots from fear, it feels very unsettling. It seems unsafe. Yeah. <laughs> Religion will come in and say, oh, you're being prideful. Look at what you're trying to do for yourself. What about serving others? What about... <laughs> Sorry, I, it's tough not to laugh at religion now, but it used to you know, rule me, but now it just sounds silly all the time. I literally, we had this conversation Thursday, uh, th one of the Thursday night a couple weeks ago in men's group. We started talking about religion, and, and I started describing stuff that I lived with, religious rules that I lived I just grew up in it. And one of the guys just kept laughing, and he kept saying, come on, Bob, that's like, you had to think that was silly. I was like, no, that was my life. I didn't know it was silly. Now it's silly. Now I laugh. But he just like, he kept going, really? You couldn't touch playing cards? Well, no, because you might play poker. And if you start to gamble, well, you're going down a bad road of mama jamas. Can't play with playing cards. Uno. Uno cards. Rook. Rook cards. You can't play with traditional playing. Oh. Sorry. All right. So, anyways, fear, right? Religion based in fear. Oh, man, I might, I might sin really bad if I touch playing cards. Really bad, let alone alcohol. Sweet Jesus. God forbid he actually turned water into wine. I literally preached sermons that made it water again. Literally, I did. I turned it into grape juice. I could, I could prove it to you. Oh, sweet Lord. <laughs> oh, it's very unsettling. But it'll seem prideful. It'll seem needless. Because when you're, when you're living in fear, scarcity is your life. Scarcity is your life. Selfishness, self-preservation. 
You, you downplay yourself. You, dis, you pull other people down with you. You use gossip and rumors and manipulation to control your, your um, uh, uh, narrative and the narrative of others. You have a victim mentality. You compare yourself to others. You mock others. Everything happens to me. Bad things always happen to me. Nothing good ever lasts. All of that is, comes from a culture of fear. And so when you start pulling up those roots, it sounds like you're being prideful when you say things like, no, God has good things for me. No, God literally can do miracles in my life every day. Miracles are a lifestyle, not an event in my world. I can have dreams and I can have bigger dreams. And if my dreams are, are small enough to fit my head, they're not big enough. Because my head can't contain what my heart can go after. And God, it's after my heart. And he can grasp my heart. And he says, lead with your heart. Explode all over the planet. Bring heaven to earth. Because that's what I want. And that's why fear wants you to die. Is because if you're dead, even if you know sweet Jesus and you're going to heaven. If you die, you can't bring heaven to earth. Man, fear is not happy when you start pulling up the roots. That's a great picture from... Uh, the shack, right? Yeah. That whole thing where he, Jesus is out pulling out all the roots and the guy's like, oh my gosh, you're destroying the garden, right? And then at the end, it's like gorgeous. Yeah. <coughs> Fear will tell you that surviving is just fine. Surviving is just fine. You did fine, right? Isn't that what happened over and over and over again in the Exodus? They kept saying, we, well, why don't we just go back? We were surviving just fine. We had leeks, we had onions, we had pots of meat that we could sit around every night. We had water. God's like, wow, I just, I just keep following me. Trust, every day I'm showing up for you. Every night I keep you warm with, with a flame that you can't explain. Every day I keep you cool with a shade that is supernatural. Other nations are watching you walk around the desert going, oh, man, who do they worship? Because look at the way he takes care of them every single day. We've got to recognize it. And the way that we move on from fear is with love. Because love casts out fear. Because what is love about? It's about freedom. Fear will look at you and go, freedom, freedom. You better think about it. It's scary out there. Oh, bad things can happen. You might play poker. <laughs> you might touch playing cards and bet M&Ms. This could get bad. No, freedom flows with love. That's why it casts out fear. It's about thriving in life, not surviving. It's about believing and seeing that God always comes through. So there is always hope. In all things that love is involved in, it brings life. To relationships, it brings life. To your goals and to your dreams, it brings life. To your identity, it brings life. To your purpose, it brings life. That's how you know you're living in love. When you don't look at who you are going, ah, uh, I don't know. He seems a little too happy. 
I got that one. I did. I wasn't even, I wasn't even a charismatic at the time or, or kingdom. I don't even know what I am, actually. This is a really weird church, but <laughs> it just, trust me, it is. We are out there. We, we really are. It's awesome, though. It's a great church. I just, anyways, I don't even know what I was, but I remember, I remember uh, a, an elder in the church. I was, I was at his house helping him because I was a young man, and uh, he liked to pour into young men, so I was helping him, which usually meant moving trash. And he, um, he took me aside. He said, you know, Bob, uh, humor, humor is a lot like pepper, and you should only use a little bit once in a while. Steven's cracking up over there. <laughs> it's true. And I remember thinking, like in my head, I thought, no, I have to like respect him because if mom finds out that I don't, I'm in trouble. But I also remember thinking that, no, 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 no. And I remember, I clearly, intuitively, like I, I know how God wired me now. Like I look back and I think like he never, he was relentless in maintaining the dream in me, even though I had no idea what it was. He was like, you are one of the most hope-filled, joyful people on the planet. And I remember going home and thinking, no, it's not like pepper. No, it's like sugar. That's, <laughs> that's what I came up with in my head. Because at that point, I put sugar on Frosted Flakes. Like, I had sugar everywhere. Like, it, so I thought, it's sugar. It's sugar. And sugar goes on everything. <laughs> Oh, man. So I want you to grow in love. I want you to destroy fear. I want you to kick it in the face. But you kick it in the face with the boot of Jesus. <laughs> and it looks like love. And it looks like freedom. Give yourself the freedom. It looks like striving. When fear comes in, it's like, hey, 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 you're wishing, you're wishing for a little too much. What would you do with all that money? You're way too selfish. Remember that, that cherry-picked phrase from an out-of-context verse where it says, the heart of man is deceitful and desperately wicked? That's you. That's, that's your life verse. I don't care about the context. I don't care that it literally has nothing to do with the person. That's irrelevant. Don't, don't confuse me with the facts. I'm fear, and you need to listen to me. If you were rich, you'd ruin everything. If you were successful, you'd ruin everything. You just need to survive. Just survive till you get to heaven. Then you can have everything. Yeah, because that brings heaven to earth. That's, that's clearly the goal of God. No. You need to move into the promised land that is flowing with milk and honey. Because that's what freedom does. That's what freedom does. So I'm going to ask the prayer team to come up. We're going to queue up another video. It has the lyrics, but I'm going, to ask, I'm going to ask you to come forward today, and if you just want freedom from anything, even if it's from saying the phrase, I'm afraid, I was afraid that was going to happen. If you just need some freedom, I want the prayer teams to release freedom to you today. All right? So both of you, three of you, come on up. These are awesome people. And much like the testimony I told you earlier, if you don't want to come forward, you can probably find a nice person in the pew that would also release freedom to you. But I recommend coming up to see these people today, all right? Go ahead and play the music. Thanks for coming out. We'll see you guys next week.